0: Ladies and gentlemen, you thought you could silence me. You thought that a little bit of surgery was going to keep me quiet and you weren't going to get these spicy takes. You thought maybe for a week, I don't have to hear Jason yelling about God knows what. But guess what? Nah, you're going to have to take it. And with that being said, Ira, take it away. (laughs)
1: Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Goal Press. And that person you heard there was Jason, of Back, course. Baby. He's back. He's wearing his Metro Stars jersey right, tonight well, because he lost a bet. And, the uh, as we record, my, uh, my Red Bulls slash Metro Stars are tied 2 2 to the Vancouver Whitecaps. So uh, I will be watching that replay. So no spoilers, please, in any of the chats or, or Twitter for <laughs> a few minutes, please. And also with us from Capital Combustion, we have Weston. Weston, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, man. Uh, yeah, Jason was saying before the pod, he's not sure if he's going to be quiet or loud. I'm like, dude, of course you're going to talk all the time. Don't act like you <laughs> might be quiet. Uh, I'm shocked I didn't get kicked off after last week, so I got to bring a little more edge. Well, I can't know.
0: roast your ass if I if we kick you <laughs> off just yet. So I'm, I'm going
2: to be a little badder this week. I'm going okay. to be a little badder. Let's go. Oh, okay, Detroit, Let's go.
1: All right. So first we have a little bit of news for for League One uh and first is that uh Tucson's uh uh Jim I can never pronounce his name. Is it Jamga? Is that Jamba, it? isn't it? Jamga. Yeah. Uh he was named the uh, USL League One Player of the Week. He's from FC Tucson, uh had a pretty good game. Uh I, would anyone disagree that he shouldn't be one of the top couple of guys there and then see a good pick for for player of the week.
0: Yeah. I I don't mind it at all. He scored two goals back-to-back in, what, like a 15-minute span. Um, He's been dangerous all year. Somebody that, like I said, Tucson. I don't know why teams keep uh, fouling anywhere close to the box, but they do, and then he makes them pay, and the rest of the team makes them pay. So uh, props to to Jamba. Uh, Get some Jamba juice as his uh, Twitter handle. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we have a little. Uh, we, we have a question about the team of the week a little bit later uh, in the show. Uh, a couple of signings to uh, to mention. Firstly, the Chattanooga Red Wolves signed someone from their uh, from their USL League Two side. Uh, the uh, from the Dalton Red Wolves. Um, uh, Abadulio Yaya Siasi, Yaya is his nickname. Uh, he's apparently a pacey forward. Uh, he uh, had played for Eastern Florida State, uh, where he played in 35 games, had nine goals and nine assists in those 35 games. So he's not only a goal scorer; he's also a facilitator. Um, he uh, he grew up actually in the FC Dallas youth uh, uh, academy somewhere, and also played for. Um, I think it's supposed to be Pride FC. And uh, so he's young, he's fast. Is this, uh, you know, Weston, do you think that this is the kind of signing that the that the Red Wolves might need? Um, I, mean, I mean, a little they more they youth. Old them. and slow. That, yeah. That's what the consensus seems to be. So yeah, this guy's young and fast, apparently.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's what Chattanooga could use. I mean, I, I don't know tons about him besides how he played this week. But, um, you know, maybe a little more youth in that roster, especially as the season goes on, might be uh, might be a good thing.
0: Jason, what do you think? Yeah, they can use a little bit of everybody. But uh, he he played this weekend and was great. It was probably their best player on the field. And makes me think that, you know, if that's the product that their League 2 team is putting out, then maybe their League 2 team could have uh, beat Tormenta 2's team in the <laughs> U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> oh,
1: man,
0: not letting that go. You said it would be
1: one news cycle, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now been three. All right. And uh, and Lansing got a couple of loanees from Chicago. Weston, since we have you here, why don't you tell us about Grant Willard and Stefan Cleveland?
2: Uh yeah, it was, you know, we've been kind of wondering what was up with this whole Chicago alliance. We hadn't seen any real benefit to it. So um it was definitely good to see a couple of players come through. Um the team clearly needed some backline depth. We've been playing almost the same squad the whole time, no matter how uh little rest there was. Uh so Lillard slotted in nicely this week. As a center back, uh, and for Brandon Fricky, I-, I thought he brought a physical presence. He's six four. Um, I think he was also a little bit part of the one of our set piece goals, blocking off a guy. Um, Stefan Cleveland, I I, said it, I didn't. I wasn't sure if we needed a goalkeeper. Uh, I thought Kyle Lines played pretty well, but he uh, he really impressed me. Uh, both goals he gave up, and we'll get into it. But he uh, he played well, and his his ball skills in particular stood out to me.
1: All right. Well, let's head on to the results from week eight of USL League One. Uh, Firstly, OCB2, Toronto 2-0. We had uh, goals in the 42nd minute from uh, Moses Tablante. Uh, uh, Franco Mingo tied things up in the uh, 44th minute, and... uh, is, is that right? No, uh, no, no. I'm sorry. He got a red card. Yeah, that's yeah, not what card. happened. I, yeah, that was, that's my idea. that was the red card. I was like, I watched this match, and I was like, wait, <laughs> Toronto didn't score. And then uh, Thiago got a, a goal in the 75th minute. He scored again tonight. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, OCB wins this 2-0, their first three points of the season. They're on five points right now, still at the bottom of the table. But, you know, Jason, we've talked about this in the past. Orlando has not looked as bad as their results have have led them to be so I guess this really shouldn't be a surprise should it
0: it shouldn't and you see as soon as they they started finishing uh that was it's almost like a boost of confidence right it's like oh well if we're finishing then we know we're 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 good we're good to go and you saw that and a lot of it too was Toronto came out pressing early in this game and Orlando handled it really well, extremely well with great ball movement. And that's something they've been doing all year. And I think because of that, Toronto was a little flustered and then Okello getting a yellow in the 16th minute. He's a big player for Toronto, especially in the midfield. So now he has to play a little bit more, not as aggressive. And Orlando definitely took advantage of that and they had great counterattacks you saw one in the 26 minute that led to a shot in the box and that's the thing about Orlando too taking better shots on goal right and in the first half they had five shots on goal in the first 45 minutes as a comparison the rest of the season Orlando's been averaging one shot on goal every 23 minutes so with that confidence with them going forward they they looked great um And then they're pressing too, right? That caused Toronto problems. And Orlando's been pressing well all season. But now because it's better, because they're quicker, they're having faster throw-ins, they're more organized, it led to chances at goals. And um, I think they, especially in the first half, were absolutely great.
1: One of the things that I noticed in this match is, you know, we'd been complaining for a couple of weeks that OCB had continued to take shots from, like, 25 yards out and taken a lot of them. They, they still took a few, but I feel like they were told, hey, you know, you need higher quality chances and, you know, maybe look for one more pass or, um, or you know, take two touches or three touches and get to the inside the box. So, yeah, you know, you've actually – they actually had six shots on target this game. Toronto won, you know, so it wasn't exactly like – you know, it was, was very lopsided, but those were also higher quality chances i think and that's one of the reasons why they got some of those goals
0: and what they're doing too is they're they're rotating their forwards and their wingers a lot now right so Deblante comes on and he has a great game um and even um scored the goal after and it's it's funny it's kind of ironic they stopped the corner kick or landed it and then countered and went down the field and scored a goal and you know set pieces have been probably their biggest weakness especially corners um So yeah, so now you have Tablante coming in, you have Souza coming in, you have these different forwards and these wingers, and I think because of that and because they offer a variety of different things, it allows for more chances and opportunities in the box as opposed to just Bagro being up there by himself and knowing the type of player he is and the type of style and the way you have to get the ball to him. Now you have more chances. You can cross upwards. You can keep it low. You can go through players with through balls on time runs. So it's working, right? And then we'll talk about the game today, where they they beat Richmond, and it's the same way. They they're trying different ways to get into the box. It's working. They're taking better shots, and I, I, it's like I I tweeted this weekend: if Orlando win three in a row. They're at two now. They're rating. Right they're in, they're in contention. I think that they get their their swagger and they're good to go. Weston, you have anything
1: to opine on this game?
2: Well, to be fair, if anybody wins two or three in a row right now, they're like. Jumping up five spots, like this, this table is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean except Orlando, of course, Orlando North,
1: except of course North Texas, who, <laughs> was, who <did>. Yeah,
2: fair. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean Orlando was deadly on the counter. They their build up there really impressed me. Souza was very impressive, uh, and, and you know we criticized Orlando's back line. Uh, they somehow managed to not let up one shot in the first half to Toronto. That was that was an impressive performance. Uh, weirdly, I thought, and I saw this with Lansing uh in their open cup game i, I thought they looked uh, a little uncomfortable up a man uh with possession at times uh but they got through it and they got the second goal and i mean they look much more disciplined as well it seems like they're starting around to form and all of a sudden there's literally that was the one team that you looked at and you're like uh you know as much as you hyped them up jason you know the goal differential was still there <laughs>
0: you looked at it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it, it, it really looks like there's no easy wins in this league at this point if orlando's gonna start and the Richmond game really showcases that. I mean, you could say yeah, it's Toronto, um, but the, their performance against Richmond today really seems to show that every team is deadly in this league, and, and they're no exception. They have, especially if they keep up their discipline, because that, that was the big concern,
0: really. Yeah. And the four S's of this team defensively, Silva, Seamus, Sergio, and Simeon, 10 clearances, 8 tackles, 6 interceptions, and more importantly, 4 chances created. So when your defense is defensively playing well and also overlapping and creating those chances, especially on counterattacks, that's when this team is dangerous. All right. Well, uh, in the interest of time, since we have a ton of games to talk about, let's talk about
1: Greenville Triumph 1, Richmond Kickers 0 in, I don't know what we want to call this, maybe, you know, one of the I-95 or some Southern Derby Um You know, in this game, you had Jake Keegan got the sole goal in the 42nd minute. Um, You know, we we keep on talking about Greenville needing a striker. Keegan's got three goals so far in the season. Um, You know, he has been their their leading scorer, but but it's been a problem for them. Uh, You know, they squeak by this one, and quite frankly, you know, I feel like um, certainly Richmond could have had a couple of goals here. (laughs) Richmond didn't look that bad. This was uh, you know an entertaining one nil uh, as far as I'm concerned down in uh, down in South Carolina. Uh, Let's start with you. Uh, Weston, you know, what do you think of this match? Uh, the thing that's not
2: most well, first off, who was it that said that you should press Richmond high last week and that they'll <laughs> make mistakes? Oh, that was weird. Um, seemed to work out pretty well for Greenville. I mean, that's their style, they're physical, they're yeah. tough. Um, if if they score one goal on you, you're like, oh, well, hopefully we get a draw. Um, but yeah, they're. Uh, the thing that stood out most to me was was uh, Greenville's shift on offense. Uh, they've been playing a lot of crosses. And we, you know, we've been complaining about their lack of creativity. Um, today they just decided to shoot. Uh, 16 out of their 23 shots were outside of the box. That's got to be some sort of direction from Harks to uh, do something a little different. Um, if they get a couple more of those shots on frame, then, that might help uh, create a few more chances, a, a lot of sky balls. But that was interesting to me. Um, Polak was great. Um, especially on on the on the counter on that press, um, you know, and, and Greenville's creativity did look a little better. Especially, I mean, when you're up a goal, that helps. When Richmond has to uh, come forward a little more, and then yeah, fits great game by Fitzgerald. I know we'll get into that later, but a uh, very impressive game by Fitzgerald.
1: Yeah, Fitzgerald really kept them in the match. He uh, he made he he showed that he's more you know maybe um, acrobatic than I had given him credit for initially. I mean, I knew he was a decent shot stopper when he um, the matches that I saw him play for Tampa Bay uh, last season. Um, but he really he really made some really really nice saves in this particular game and really kept Richmond in it. Um, but Richmond had their chances too. You know, Jason, what, what do you think? You know, Richmond. Didn't do a terrible job, really passing around the press. But when they did give it up, they still looked defensively a little uh, shaky. What does Richmond have to do when teams press them? Like um, obviously, like Lansing did three times, and Greenville did last week.
0: Yeah, I don't know, and and maybe the lackable that help, you know hurts with the creativity part. Um, and I even it's not that they're not passing well in the back. There was a I, I tweeted if you guys want to go down my timeline. That there was a there's a 40 second span to where Greenville pressed with like four people into the corner to try to trap Richmond and they got out of it, sent the through ball to the middle, had a great chance, and then um, Pollock, who just played out of his mind, had a great last-minute diving effort to block the shot. So with with Richmond, I think they have their they have their moments to where they can get out of that press. It's just not consistent enough. And I think a big part of it is they're so slow with it they need to be faster they need to have Hughes or whoever push that ball and start going faster um because you can't let all these like Pollock and siler siler played out of his mind this game um and that's I think was the big difference for Greenville too we talk about them not crossing as much they only had 14 crosses uh, successfully crossed three so I'm pretty sure that might be their highest ratio uh, uh, yeah of the year but that they can had, almost be guaranteed yeah. yeah but they had 16 key passes and chances created and Cole Seiler uh, accounted for six of them by himself. He was 81% passing accuracy in the opponent's half. And just to compare Richmond had six key passes all game. So maybe it's not necessarily just the defense that's letting Richmond down. Maybe it's the way that when they're attacking and giving the ball up in the middle, their defense isn't set. So they need to decide to whether either the defense is going to push up or stay back. And if they are going to stay back, then they might not be able to have time to do this back and forth passing. They might need to throw some through balls or some long balls up to Daniel Jackson, who needs to bring him down into the midfield. I, I wish I had an answer for how Richmond can avoid it, but it's just mistake after mistake. Cause even in the Keegan goal, right? It was a great flick from Keegan, but that was a mistake from Aqua, right? He he should have headed it to Fitzgerald. He missed the header. Fitzgerald's in no man's land. And it sucks because Fitzgerald played out of his mind, but that's what happened. And so I think when their defense is playing the whole game, like, and it's just even like, because you look at possession, you say, you see, Richmond had more possession than Greenville. I think um, Richmond had 60%, the Greenville's 60, 40. Yeah, 60 to 40. Yeah. And, but the, the issue is, That possession is with the defense. It's not in the midfield. It's not with the offense. So the defense is playing the whole game. They're playing with the ball at their feet, and then they have to defend, and eventually you're going to get worn down. So I don't know if the midfield, I don't know if Boldick and Maxi Rodriguez need to come back more and get the ball themselves to push it, but I think you just put too, too much pressure on Richmond's defense, and that's the issue with them.
1: I felt like Gallardo didn't have his best game this game either. Like when, when he's on, um, you know, Richmond just looks much more dangerous, right? Because he's, he's their creative player. So I, I wonder how much of uh, – now both teams played midweek um, in the uh, – uh, um, Open Cup. and Well – no, they actually they didn't. Richmond played midweek in the open cup, right? Um Greenville, um yeah, Green that's right. Yeah, that's Greenville different. played as well. So but I, I feel like Gallardo was like a step slow this game and he just wasn't himself. Um, and uh, I agree with you that as – as Richmond – if Richmond's going to play this possession style of game, I think they have to move the ball, you know, a little bit more with one touch. A lot of times you see guys taking two touches and then looking up. And people are moving into good positions. They're just not necessarily getting the ball quite fast enough. And I think that that's one of the problems with, you know, moving the ball up up into the midfield. And I agree with you. Like, look for those line-breaking passes every once in a while, you know, because if nothing else, you're going to keep a team that, that presses you off balance if you do that. Like, you don't you don't do it every time but you do it every once in a while and you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to adjust for that
2: yeah to that point I uh every time I look at a Richmond game I, I like to look at passes in their own half uh 273 in their own half to 160 in the opposition half and that's
0: yeah, pretty exactly. you, you're you're asking so much of the defense right you're asking them to not only handle a press that's coming at them so they're constantly having to deal with that but then to also create and it's just that it's gotta change it this way. Whether it's the midfielders that come back and help, whether it's, you know, sending Aqua up higher to start the attack higher. And that's where you've seen Richmond has had success. If they're able to win those middle balls, that's when they send Joe, you know, with a through ball and he can finish it.
1: All right. Moving on, uh, to a game that uh Let's see. Well, well, apparently, North Texas is a bad team, according mm. to Preston. Mm, um, apparently. Good, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, even Lansing couldn't beat North Texas. It was uh, 2-2, uh, Lansing versus North Texas. You had goals um, by uh, – uh, I'm going to just do my best here. Men, men, the dis, diskin? Oh, <laughs> no, Rafa no, There you say go. <laughs> it, say it again. One more time.
2: Uh, Mensingen. Rafa
1: Mensingen. Mensingen. In the 54th minute, uh, then you had uh, uh, Alan Bruce then scored for Lansing. Alex in the, Bruce. Alex Bruce. I'm sorry. In the uh, 65th minute. Um, but North Texas did not give up, and uh, Ricardo Pepe got a free kick about 20 yards out that he – Uh, on the left side of the penalty area, and he uh, called into the right – He's terrible. terrible. Um, oh, yeah. I got a drink during this part. Sorry. So, so he Absolutely came on as a trash. substitute. I I was a little bit surprised. And Weston, by the way, is still drinking after that, game <laughs> after, uh, wallowing away his sorrows. But but you know, Pepe had come off the uh, the U uh, seventeen uh, World Cup qualifying, where um, the United States lost to Mexico uh, in in extra time. It was two to one. Very very late goal by Mexico. Pepe didn't look great in that game, quite frankly. But um, he came on as a substitute in this game and made an impact. Uh, 83- Eighty third. Free kick goal. What other
0: striker in this league comes in and immediately makes an impact on the game like that? That's right. The best striker in the league does, and I don't want to hear none different. Get out of my mentions. Oh. So
1: he's, he's still in your uh, – for, for Jason, I'm sure he's still in your best 11, even after yes. week eight. Yes. Uh, continues to be. And Arturo Rodriguez uh, ties things up in the 87th minute. Uh, we'll talk about him in, in today's match um, a, as well a little bit, but uh, also Alex Bruce, uh, after you know scoring his nice goal – uh, and it was a nice goal. Uh, winds up getting a red card in, uh, uh, you know, just before the end of the match. Um, Wesson, let's start Sorry. with you. You know, you're now that you've had a few days to mull this over and wallow away in your alcohol after this <laughs> match. Uh, you know, what, what what were your thoughts? You know, it could Lansing didn't have to give up all of these goals. They gave up that free kick very late that started the the North Texas comeback. But you know, this easily could have been a two a match or a two one match.
2: Yeah, I mean, on our podcast, I, uh, if you look, Lansing had five big chances, and that is not an exaggeration. Those were big chances, one on ones versus the keepers, open net. Um, also, Rafa in coming down the wing—that's that's an easy way to remember that one for future reference. Uh, before I start, I got to address Jason here. I'm tired of the abuse about my take last week. It was a perfectly fair take. What is a good team? Okay, so if you put wow. any of these.
0: So wow, if you, you know, <laughs> I'm struggling when they're like, okay. So the definition of good, though, right? <laughs> the like team so seven.
1: Seven. so, so what I'm like, talking about, what a good team is. So <laughs> what I'm
2: talking about, what a good team is, like obviously, it's within the league itself. Okay, so if, it, if we put in these teams of the Premier League, they would struggle. Okay, so I'm saying, <laughs> Jason, <okay>. uh, so <laughs> his face. I got a black on his face. Tell me, <laughs> um. So my point when I say there's no good teams is I think they're all very evenly matched. That is what I was saying. Uh, and you know what? Maybe I got to make a small, especially after watching Texas today, maybe I got to make a small modification to that, but that was Texas's first real road test besides Greenville. And they did struggle a little bit. Um, I mean, outside of say a 10 minute barrage there. They didn't look amazing. They looked fine, but they looked about the level of Lansing. Um, uh, so yeah, the missed opportunities by Lansing was, was the biggest one early. Um, this was their best press since game one. They came out aggressive. 24 interceptions tells the story there. They were all over them. Um, biggest aspect in that to me, Alex Bruce is probably our strongest pressing striker. Um, today was also the return of X. X strikes back. Um, your MVP pick back he, on the he map, heard Jason. Us
0: talking about him. He heard us. Yeah. <laughs> he, us. he came wow. out hard.
2: What uh, excellent game by him. In that, and I don't know if Lansing really is someone that can really fill that cam roll. Um, outside of him. So that's a big development for the team. Um, I, I thought the the transfers from uh, the fire were very impactful. Lillard in particular, I thought, brought a very physical pre- presence that the back line needs, uh, some composure. Um, so Cleveland was really good. I, I don't blame you to go on him. Uh, just an outrageous goal by Pepe. Um, Rodriguez, total flopper, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh man, there, there was some rough. It flops wasn't a pretty
1: goal, but it was a goal.
2: Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, it was, yeah, that goal was fine. I'm talking about earlier, uh, his oh, stuff right. setting up the free kick. Um, and then he had a play where we, Cleveland tried to rip the ball from him and he literally flew over and he got He's a yellow a child card. For
0: Weston. It. He is a child.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, he got a yellow card for it. So he was putting time out. Ref yeah. uh, yeah. put him in the
1: corner. Uh, so it, it was the a complicated kind of, game. 20, is, is he not? I, I believe he's 20. Is I think he, his I think his brother is 16. Yeah, they're, okay. they're like three or four years apart. I thought yeah, he was I mean,
0: 19, 18. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, he's he's not but not, you not know, as young. He's not not the younger brother. So he's the okay. older brother.
2: But yeah, I mean the last 10 minutes, you know, I I think that's sometimes a byproduct of when you play um that aggressive style, I think they wore down a little bit. Um, and you know, I think this team can get a little. Mo- they are one of the younger teams outside of the two teams. They do seem to get a little emotional. Uh, Sometimes when things don't go their way and I thought, and you know, the red card post game kind of shows that a little bit. I I think maybe after that first goal, they started losing their composure a little bit. Uh, So tough result, but I mean, you know, especially just watching Texas take on Madison, you know, I I feel good to an extent. I mean, they really competed with this team that's been really good against everyone else.
0: Feel good. Interesting choice of words. (laughs) Jason, your thoughts. So, yeah, I, I do agree. I think Lansing played extremely well, especially that first half. If you watch what North Texas does, a lot of their goals they score are within four passes. They get the ball. It's usually from Jada, and it's either a long ball or he gets it to the middle to Arturo and, or Gomez. And Lansing did a great job of intercepting that third pass, and that's where a lot of those interceptions came from, especially in that first half. You would watch the one-two, and that third pass is the most pivotal because that's usually the through ball, and then they can either set up an easy tap in or cross it. And Lansing did a great job at intercepting that pass and did a great job of being physical. Yeah, they were playing 17-year-olds and didn't care. They were putting elbows into them and pushing them over, and they did what they needed to do. Um, And so Lansing played great, but you talk about that last 10 minutes where they – Fell apart. It, I, you saw it coming the ten minutes prior to that. In the last twenty minutes, you watched that pen, pendulum swing, and I don't know if it was the Pepe substitute that just kind of gave them that confidence and that okay, we got our star player coming in, we're gonna we're gonna step it up now. But North Texas in the last twenty minutes created six chances alone. And that's just in the last 20 minutes. And they just looked quicker with the ball. Those passes were getting in quicker. And you're right. I think what Weston, what you're saying with like finishing chances has also finished one of those one-on-one chances in the first half. Had he um, finished that chance in the 68th minute, or I don't know who he flicked it to, but he flicked it to, I think it was. was Yeah, Yeah. was Yeah. And that was a golden chance, right? They finished one of those chances. That lead might be too big for North Texas to actually come back. Um, but also, because I want to shout out underappreciated players, Arturo Rodriguez has been killing it. Tanner Tessman has been absolutely fantastic the past two or three games. And in the final 20 minutes, he had he was three of the six chances created. And throughout the game, two shots on target, six tackles, and three clearances. So he was doing it on both sides of the ball and had the most passes on the whole entire team and finished the highest. Uh, passing percentage in the opponent half from anyone that had over 10 passes. So he really was the foundation of that comeback. Um, and even though uh, Rodriguez and, Te- and um, Pepe were the ones who finished it, Tessman is a big part of that team and he's going to be really important for North Texas moving forward.
1: Yeah, Tessman plays m- more of an eight than a six. You know, I know a lot of people will call him a holding midfielder, but I think he's, you know, of the two. Um, of the two people in the double pivot that you know North Texas seems to have, he's the one that tends to press up a little bit more. So he's the the guy who you know looks for Rodriguez or the other Rodriguez. Um, and and he'll also come up. I mean, he's already had a had a goal, right? He scored um, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but he had that great um, you know, long-range shot from about 25, 30 yards out that you know found found the top corner. Um, I, I think one of the other things about you know this game in particular was, you know, not only did did they not finish the chances, but to go back to what you were saying, Jason, when Pepe came in, the thing that he does, I think for North Texas in particular, is he spreads the field. So he's able to, he's able to make runs in between the seams in between the, the, like the right back and the center back or the left back and the other center back. And when he does that, um, he forces two defenders to come on him. And that creates a lot of space for either David Rodriguez or a Rodriguez. And it winds up being a, you know, I think a really important substitute. And I think, I think that's one of the things that happened and you do that when your defenders already have tired legs and it becomes difficult for, uh, for the other team so i think that's one of the reasons why you had so many chances created uh, by north texas late
0: weston 10 second answer where celso's best position <laughs>
2: uh false nine
0: yeah there you go i think he looked great especially with that flick to alex bruce that should show that you everything nice. when he has his back to goal or when he's in the middle of the box can control it i think he's a lot better than when he's on the wing
2: I don't think he should be put in too many positions where he's got to make a lot of decisions. If, if, I think that's where he struggles.
1: Okay. Well, let's move on to our next match. This one uh, was at forward Madison. They played South Georgia Tormenta and Tormenta squeaks out a win one nil a goal by, of course, who else would it be? But the inaugural, Uh, player of the month, Connor Antley in the 50th minute. um, Also getting his, I think, first start for tormenta was uh jad arslan uh by the way two players who i interviewed last week and you know check out that uh that uh go back in your podcast feed to hear um, uh, me talking to both of them so i wonder if uh jad arslan got a you know league one fun bump from maybe uh having that interview but connor Antley's still on fire jason you know uh, you know what else can you say about this guy who's supposed to be a
0: right back he doesn't yeah. seem to, to be one and you might be right about that, just because, like, it's not that he's not he. And, and his goal, right place at the, the right time. I I will say that. Yeah, and, and it was
1: on a it was on a set piece of memory. Right,
0: but before, but right. I will say that. But that's not really a good example of what he does. When you watch that game, he was literally taking on three defenders in the open field, and was the reason that Tormenta is able to open those attacks. And he's easily one of if not the most important player for them right now because when he's on, he requires so much attention of where he's at, he draws in so many people, and because he's a good passer, he sets up so many opportunities. And then Charlie Dennis has been killing it the past couple games, and he is super important to them because he's the one that's the pivot in the midfield right now. So what's going on is Alex Morrell is everywhere, right? And he's able to press. Charlie can go up to be the highest in the midfield, and as soon as he gets the ball – because of his athleticism and his size, he can either take defenders on himself or he can wait for Coutinho and Marco and anyone down the side to dish it off to. Um, But yeah, Charlie Dennis and Connor right now are are the the intercontinental tag team champions of the world that I would not want to face off right now. Not the British
1: Bulldogs on uh, Chattanooga Red Bulls. (laughs) Not right now anyway. No, Uh, no. did you have any, uh, any thoughts on this match?
2: I don't think that's a real title, Jason. Um, so
1: yes,
0: yes. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> um,
2: you know, I, I thought it was a very evenly matched game. I thought it was an unfortunate result for Madison. Uh, if Yara doesn't make a heroic save, uh, the 1-1 result is probably the fairest result. But you know what? Uh, Tormenta doing this on the road um, when League One teams are 9-19 and 9 on the road, that's, that's a big deal if you can go into someone else's house and make an evenly matched game, squeak out a win. You know what? I think – I'm ready to put Tormenta into the good tier.
0: Oh, wow. Them. Both of <laughs> these teams are good in this league. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: I put Tormenta in there, and only today am I putting Texas in. I wasn't <laughs> going to put them in there after Lansing, but I got two teams in the good tier, and I got eight teams in the same tier. Okay. Uh, but I, the thing that impressed me about Tormenta is they're, you know, the first few games I, I, they more played an absorb and counter style, and I haven't watched every game they've played, but um, lately they seem more comfortable with possession. Uh, and there's not a lot of teams in this league, I think, that can handle multiple styles, they could play multiple styles. We, we see these teams get out of their comfort zone and they struggle, and it's early in the season. Uh Torrent is the one team that seems to be able to adapt and do multiple things and and that whether on the road or on the home. And that and they impressed me. And they, you know, coming into the season, I know I didn't think they're gonna be that good. Not that I knew tons about their roster. I just knew that they mostly exported everyone from their uh, PDL team. Uh, but it turns out they have Legit individual talent. I mean, they have at least three of the best players in the league right now um, with Micheletto, Morrell, and uh, Antley. So uh, they got a little everything. They're, They're a tough team.
1: So we'll give Jason the proper props because he uh, he called Tormenta one of the one of the best teams at the start of the season. I think a lot of us were in in your camp though, Wes, and we didn't know a lot about uh, many of these players. You know, they had a lot of guys who came up from League Two, and um, so it, you know we knew that they might have some chemistry, but there was a question as to wh- where they are. Can we just talk just for a second, maybe about? how there is a lot of undiscovered talent in this country, because, you know, when you look at, you know, a team with guys like Jad Arslan and Connor Antley, and you know, there's another eight players behind them who have had minutes for Tormenta and they're standing toe to toe with, you know, veterans within, um, within the professional ranks in, in league one. Um, you know, is it? Do we think that this is an anomaly, or is this something that we're going to see as you know we get the Omahas coming into the the league? Jason, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: I think what I think in in props the to Tormentas organization because they're the prime example of showing what happens when you do know that there is talent and you're able to build from that. Right. So even when you look at their two side. They've already started the season two and O oh, already have beaten the USL league one team in us open cup. There is so much talent in this country and it's just about finding it. And so now with tormenta setting up different academies all throughout Georgia, and especially in regions to where there might not be too much shine or too much, you know, uh, Outlook, that's exactly what they're doing, right? They're they're the prime example of showcasing, look at this talent that we're overlooking because they don't have a proper path to professional or they don't have an academy. And they've done an amazing job down there. And I think that we are going to see that, right? I think when Omaha comes in, I think you see that with Chattanooga now, what they're doing and building their academies and getting their League Two teams set up. I think you're seeing that teams are going to go, you know what? We don't need to go out and spend money on a ton of... uh you know, veterans or international players, we can untap talent that we have here within our own town.
2: Yeah. To play off that, um, I interviewed Nate Miller, coach of Lansing early in the season and uh, before the season started. And he said that this league is going to be good because he said there's more supply than demand in U.S. soccer right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this league's giving a lot more players an opportunity to showcase themselves. Um, I'd argue the best player on at Lansing so far is Nick Moon. He was in our closed trial, he, he wasn't even someone we signed. He was, he had to be a, he had to come to a closed trial uh, to make the team. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Cause when you watch him play, I think he'll be a, a USL championship next year at the very least.
0: Okay. Well, thanks guys. and uh, Just so we don't, so we don't look too biased. I do want to say shout out to uh, Apollo uh, for Ford. Cause when he came on, five created chances within the first 20 minutes of him coming on. He was really the one at the end of the game where Tormenta kind of had to play defensively. Um, and, you know, he, he was a different maker. He man. easily could have had two assists in yep. that, quite
1: frankly, were also tapping. So, you know, you weren't the only team, uh, by the way, Weston, who, uh, who missed a couple of sitters, quite frankly. So forward easily could have – this could have easily been a 1-1 match. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure, um, and and also shout out to uh, you know go back into your uh, podcast feed because we did talk about Tormenta and and had uh, interviewed their coach as well as Connor Antley and Jad Orsland uh, uh, last week. Moving on uh, Tucson four against Chattanooga Red Wolves zero. Um, is this the is this the largest uh, differential uh, goal differential in a single match this
0: season? It might, be. it might be, yeah. I think it was be. a four-one. I right? was going to say I think, was, so. I think it yeah, was a four-one, but yeah, this might be it. Yeah. So
1: FC Tucson tore apart uh, the the Red Wolves. There were goals by uh, Jordan Jones in the 25th minute by Cody Wakasa in the 35th minute, and then Devin. Uh, uh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong again. Uh, He's called Jenga, Devin. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> Yeah, Devin, thank you. Yeah, 66th and 75th minute. And, uh, you know, really, I, I kind of watched – the. I only watched the first half of this match, but it was clear that the Red Wolves just did not have the legs to keep up with Tucson at all. Um, Weston, did you have a chance to see any of this match? Uh,
2: yeah, a little bit. And, you know, that's why Chattanooga maybe needs an infusion of some more young talent. Uh, we'll see if they continue to do that. Um, you know, just looking overall at Chattanooga, oh, four and one on the road, just kind of shocking for a veteran team. Um, that's uh, they're the Jekyll and Hyde team of the league. Because honestly, I know you guys weren't impressed, but I thought they looked pretty good against uh Madison, at least in the first half last week. Um they're just a totally different team at home and on the road. And that's I'm very curious. I think they're back at home this week. So I am curious to see that. And Tucson's another team that Has been one of the toughest for me to read all year. I just, I I mean, you know, this was an impressive performance. I can't figure out how good they are yet. That I I
1: think, I think they're hot and cold. I think one thing that Tucson Tucson did really well is they uh, they closed down Beatty. Um, and you know, when you, when you, I think p- teams have realized that, look, you, you shut down the creative player for, and, and striker for them and, you know, you don't get service to Eamon Zayed and the next thing you know, uh, you know, Chattanooga can't score on you and at the, and that, you know, frustrates people, um. But more importantly, and I think Jason, you know, can you talk a little bit about maybe tucson's uh, Tucson's attack because it you know this could have been a one one game, quite frankly, and it could have been a one nil game to Tucson, but it was't it got opened up. and and you know there were a lot of a lot of good chances that Tucson had uh, early in the uh, early in the game.
0: Tucson plays to the point. i don't they don't want the ball, right? They're going to give you the ball. They're going to sit back, and then they want you to come to them, and they're going to want to go on the break. And, you know, God bless Chattanooga's back line. They weren't up for it, right? Like they, Tucson was winning every ball in the middle. They were intercepting it. And then they were just on the run and Chattanooga could not keep up. And then when you do foul Tucson and hope that, okay, well, if we can't stop this counter, we can foul them outside the box. You can't do that either because Vega is going to score on a free kick or they're going to put it in the back of the net off of a rebound. Um, And so I think, The issue with Tucson is if it works, it's great. And they're probably one of, you know, they're competitive and can compete with the top four teams in the league. When it doesn't work, that's when you have problems, right? When they go down a goal early and they have to chase it, then you have to change your tactics and you can't play this whole, well, we're going to wait for you guys to come and then try to counter. Um, So I think that's what it is. Uh, I also think that both teams had a lot of crosses, and it necessarily wasn't good for that, like for either team. I think that Tucson was best when they just attacked the goal straight right. up. And Chattanooga's been doing a lot of crosses all year, and as they should with Zaid Zay- and BD uh, and, and everyone up top. But it's just uh, it's just not clicking for Chattanooga. And like you were saying, Weston, it's, it, I'm interested about that with their away record. One thing to think about is you have a lot of international players are not used to taking a plane ride from Chattanooga to Tucson, right? Like their furthest away day is a three hour bus ride. So I wonder if that travel, especially early in the season, that since they're not used to it, I wonder if that plays a part of it.
2: Don't you love those uh, English blogs about their intense five-hour uh, oh, waste yeah. order trips? Oh,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's crazy. People thought I was I was nuts when uh, when I was staying in Warwick and I went up to a West Brom match. It was like an hour train ride. And yeah, everyone exactly. was like, oh, my God, that's so far. Uh, okay, so, so that was the end of week eight. Uh, in the points per game, North Texas stood, stands at the top uh, at 2.67 points per game. Uh, the only points that they've dropped were two. Lansing Ignite. Thank you very much, Weston. Uh, and Tormenta <laughs> at 2.13. <laughs> Tor- Tormenta FC at 2.13 points per game. And then you have a very tightly packed mix with uh, Tucson, the Kickers, and Triumph, uh, all about 1.4 points per game. Uh, but a, you know, a couple of wins by Lansing forward or Toronto Two, and, and they'll be right back in the mix as well. All right, but today there were a couple of games. These were technically, I think, week nine matches. Um, but we'll, uh, since I think we each watched at least one of these matches, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about them. Firstly, we had uh, Orlando City B beat the Richmond Kickers three to one tonight. Uh, the uh, excuse me, three two. Excuse me, three two. Yes, that, that that's right. So you had uh, uh, Moises. Um, uh, Tablantley scored again in the fourth minute very early on. Uh, Serginio scored in the 27th minute. Lockerbie uh, scored for Richmond in the 35th. Hughes then uh, got the equalizer in the 80th, and then there was a uh, penalty kick that uh, by Ivan in the 84th minute uh, and uh, Thiago put it away for OCB for the winner. Um, Fitzgerald did get a hand on it but was not able to keep it out. It wasn't the greatest of penalty kicks quite frankly but it was hit hard it, enough that there was no it, way Fitzgerald. Yeah was gonna, spectacular was gonna
0: get it. It Looked like it was going to be a game-saving save m- seconds before that penalty and it, it, you so you, you got, got a feel for him because he he, you know, stood on his head, saved that and was like, all right, we're going to get out of here. What a point. And then they give up a bad PK just 10 seconds later. Yeah,
1: I, it was it was a very back and forth game. I mean, we you know, we just talked about OCB and and Richmond. I think Richmond played much better this game and played around the press better than they did uh, uh, earlier in the week. Um I think in general, uh, you know, Richmond. Richmond's trying to play their game, and and you know, the frustrating thing is, you know, OCB comes in and they're they're shutting down some of the playmakers for, um, they're shutting down some of the play ra- playmakers for Richmond, and Richmond gets frustrated, and uh, and and has a problem, um, and has a problem creating those chances. And uh, but OCB did hang back a bit. You know, they they didn't have. Uh,
0: no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm furious that Richmond we're we're this many weeks in and still can't handle set pieces, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, well go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't get it. <laughs> At this point, I don't get it anymore. I you watched the set piece today for Orlando's first goal. It was literally like a playground. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna fake this corner into the box, and instead we're going to kick it to the guy waiting at the top of the box for a shot. And they did that, and literally everyone from Richmond took a seat and was like, hmm, let's see if he can put this one in the back of the net. Nobody tried to close in. Nobody marked him. It's just I'm really confused on, and maybe it's because of the rotation of players they constantly have in that back line that might be an issue, but I don't get – what Richmond doesn't understand about they've literally given up a set piece I think in every single game they played this year where a goal was scored against them. So I don't understand where, where this is coming from and why it's still an issue at this point of the season. Yeah there was
2: a interesting stat from uh, yeah Weston
0: you, 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 yeah,
1: yeah Weston hey talk about talk about that stat but then also talk to me about the back line because you noted before we started that there was you know we needed a single player probably in the back line for of Richmond uh, made have made a big difference in this match.
2: Oh, I, I was just commenting more generally on Richmond. I watched the other game, but uh yeah, the, uh, uh, Nate said, I guess to the commentator for the Lansing game that 33% of your, are, you know, goals are generally off set pieces. How much time do you spend working on them? And yeah, that's something I noticed against Richmond too, is just they're not the best against, uh, set pieces. And, uh, said you would think that would be a higher focus for the team with how important they are to the game. Uh, but, yeah, I think you guys said uh, Akwe was out or something, so that was potential.
1: Yeah, uh, Akwe, was on the, Akwe was on the bench. He he was on the bench this game. He did not come in. He did not substitute on. I maybe he has a knock or something. But I think Akwe, you know, while you know he he makes mistakes just like any other center back does. He he does a good job for the kickers on the back line, in kind of you know stepping and winning a ball. And he's not he's very brave and he's not afraid to um you know step out of the step out of the box and and toward those balls. And uh, you know would he have given up the penalty like Ivan um, Ivan did? I, I'm not sure one way or the other, if, if Akwe would have, but I think Akwe would have been a step faster. And because he's that step faster, he's more likely not, you know, to be, to challenge for the 50-50 instead of coming in late like Ivan did and, uh, and, and creating that penalty. And ultimately that was the, ended up being the game winner.
0: Second um, in the Jason, league. Jason, do you have clear. anything else about this? Yeah. Second in the league in clearances. It makes second. a difference, right? Like you're positioned better. You know, when to go in and go for that. He, I, I, I didn't expect Trying to go in and even attempt to win that, right? He was late. He was behind the player. You wait for the player to come down and try to intercept it, try to get it out for a corner. And like we were saying, I think when Richmond is playing against a team that's younger and faster, their passing has to be faster. And it's not necessarily in, even in the back line. It has to be in the midfield. And so with that first goal that Richmond scored, Boldic had a beautiful, beautiful pass um, to which, Uh, was finished off by Lockerbie, put it through the keeper's legs. And then you have the the second goal, which is the opposite, where it was more of a counterattack. But again, it was quicker passing that led to Hughes being able to finish it. So maybe the buildup thing isn't going to work against a couple teams, so maybe they tactically need to change, right, and say if we're playing a more high-pressing team, they struggled against it with Lansing, they struggled against it with Orlando, maybe we don't need to focus on building from the back. Maybe we need to build from the midfield and just try to quick pass from there.
1: And I do think that that's what they tried to do tonight. Uh, in in fairness, it's just that you know Orlando was all over them, and quite quite frankly, I think the kickers were unlucky not to get a point in this game. Um, in in fairness, okay. In the interest of time, let's move on uh, to a game that I only uh, saw very short highlights of. But North Texas beat uh, Forward Madison. Uh, this game was ended three to one. Did I get that one right this time? Yeah, uh, I think I did. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh and you had uh, Ronaldo Damas in the second minute. He scores a great banger, uh super fast, beating his uh beating his defender on the run. Um, and then goes off and does the CR seven celebration hmm. after his namesake. Uh and uh, Pepe got the assist on this one again, gets a Pepe gets on the um gets on the score sheet. Almost like uh, he then or, or... Go ahead. That's, uh, almost like he's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you would have thought um otoro rodriguez finds his brother david in the eighth minute but just uh seven minutes later don smart from a zero angle i mean it was a crazy crazy tight angle that don smart puts in across from giro uh into the far corner and then finally in the 70th minute north texas puts it away where joel agamore um gets a gets a a pass from a toro rodriguez and uh, and and uh, it was 3-1 and that was all she wrote Weston, you said that you were able to watch this match uh what do you think
2: yeah up till the when the pod started but uh yeah uh, really entertaining game i mean texas's build-up was beautiful uh some flashy goals madison plays with some flair too uh 17 to 13 and chances created so i mean there, there was a lot going on in this game um just the thing that to me is just texas's unselfishness in the final third um like this I believe this is the second goal, just a beautiful layoff by Rodriguez. Uh they might be
1: good. Maybe. <laughs> <Might> be. <laughs> So just some stats on this game. I mean, this was an exciting match. It seems like, and I can't wait to to watch it tomorrow. Um, but you had 19, uh, 19 shots for North Texas, fifteen shots for Forward, uh, both with four on uh, f- both with four on net. Um, and uh, you had a lot of shots. A lot of those shots from inside the box. So uh, North Texas with nine and Forward with eight shots from inside the box. So um, you know, it seems like it seems like a match that might be worth watching. Um, you know, particularly you got to see that third. Uh, that that goal by uh, Damas in the third minute, um, it just it's fantastic. I mean, he's he's got speed like Jason has speed, so um, just <laughs> took off. And he,
0: yeah, and he he yeah he's embarrassing people. Um, best celebration I think as a player so far in this league, though. Even the you know copying his namesake, I like that. But it's also a good look for him too. He was named to the preliminary roster for the Haitian national team uh, for the Gold Cup. So that would be a good look for him to get on their radar. If he can go in the camp and impress them, we might see him playing uh, this summer. And that should uh, be that'd a good hope. Yeah, hopeful for your rest of you uh, Weston. USL league teams.
1: <laughs> Weston, any last thoughts on this match?
2: Um, no, I mean, so, uh, Madison, from what I saw, played them pretty even. Uh, man, smart just... He, he had the nice first goal he had a second one he could have had he, he had the wide open shot and he just hesitated and that was tough to see um and I said I've seen a lot of games where I thought Madison was kind of even and they came out with the loss um uh, don't know if it's bad luck or, or bad finishing um but uh, excited to dig in a little more to them as Lansing is uh coming up on facing them in a week and
0: a half later. One thing to look at what Madison does quickly is they they have different players kind of fill that role as a finisher each game, right? So Smart was that today. Where in the past it might have been Paulo Junior. Then it was Nunez at one point, and then when Toye is there off alone, he's usually the, the up top guy. So so it might be a good thing, but then it might be bad thing, right? Because then it's, it's different people. So then you might. Think oh, I'm used to crossing right now. Toye is there. It's not Toye. It's Smart, and maybe Smart doesn't handle crosses as well as Toye does. Uh, so that's just one thing to watch moving forward, especially when nights like tonight where they don't have the loons on loan um, as they're playing Bert, um, uh, Hartha and a friendly with Minnesota.
1: Okay, well, and moving on to uh, to the. Week nine matches or other week nine matches on Friday night at uh, you have Toronto FC2 against FC Tucson. Um, the uh, there won't be any uh, Franco Ramos Mingos in there because he uh, was got a red card for denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Um, so oh, yeah. Toronto will be missing him. Uh, let's see, Chattanooga uh, then plays uh, the Greenville Triumph on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there is also uh, Zagora is one yellow card away from a, from a suspension and a fine too. Um, they get a small fine if they get too many yellows. Uh, Tormenta plays Lansing at eight o'clock. There's no Alex Bruce because he got that red card that we talked about before for abusive language, um, right at the close of the match. Um, and also, uh, Grant Stoneman, uh, is going to be out as well for yellow card accumulation. Um, you know, just really quick previews here. Uh, Weston let's talk about the tormenta Lansing uh, game you know no Alex Bruce no Grant Stoneman you know how do you think coach Nate uh, you know handles missing two of his you know more important players
2: um honestly I don't think it's a huge deal <laughs> uh so with it would be if it wasn't for the uh Lillard uh alone, but he's in so he'll be starting and then Fricky, who came out for Lillard last week will just slap back in there they're fine uh Bruce Aspen will just come in. So, and he's been one of our top goal scorers, but play, plays a little different, maybe not as strong. Sorry.
0: Yeah, but I do I do think that that hurts them in a bit just because uh, if you guys plan on crossing against Tormenta, that's not going to work because Tormenta's got some big boys in the back. And I think they're the biggest center back team or the biggest yeah, center back teams in the league um, as far as with Antley and Phelps and those guys back there. So Bruce gives you more options for more play in the middle, whereas if you're crossing, um, I think it's going to be tough for Ricky to get behind those. I mean, Ricky's much bigger though than Bruce. I
2: mean, that's, that's what he does. And, and we have a lot of nice set police plays. We have other big guys too that can compete like Koyfik and Lillard uh, down there. So, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I wouldn't be shocked if both those guys sat anyway because Stoneman hasn't sat at all all season. Um, and now we actually have someone that can fill in for him and Bruce and Aspen have kind of been rotating back and forth. Um, so I'm just saying, I don't know if that would have mattered, but, I don't think it's a great matchup for Lansing either way, because if I'm Tormenta, I'm I'm looking to more sit back and counter cause, and let Lansing keep possession, let Lansing have the ball, hit them on the counter. That's where we've been the weakest so far. So uh, it's a tough matchup for Lansing for sure.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, the Chattanooga Red Wolves uh, do back at home. Like you noticed, they're much better um, west, you noted this—they're a much better home team than they were away team. And they'll be uh, playing uh, the uh, the Triumph, um, and uh, that that will come. Uh, that match is at seven o'clock uh, on ESPN Plus, of course. So very quickly, um, we, we don't have too many too many questions, but we are running uh, running close to our hour mark here. Uh, who, is there anyone that you would replace on uh, on the team of the week that USL put out,
0: Jason? Mm-hmm. I, I, well, and this is going to be a good debate. Okay. So I understand the hesitation of putting players who did not win on team of the week. But for Fitzgerald to not be the goalkeeper on the team of the week seems absolutely criminal because that game could have easily been four to nothing had it not been for Fitzgerald. Um, but then you look at you know Hara, who did make the team of the week for Tormenta, and then you look at that save he had and the impact of that save, and you can say that that was a game-saving save because that was probably the best chance, and if they had went up and scored that, Madison probably would have won that game or at least had a 1-1 draw. So what do you guys think is more important to make the team of the week? Is it the the save is it the context of the save how important the saves were or how important the player was or is it the overall performance compared to the rest of the league I agree with you I think it
1: has to it should be the overall performance even if your team loses like it can't just be oh your team won so therefore you must have had the best players because you know in in a one nil game um, where you, you know you're like who could say that Tim Howard was not the best player on the field in the 2014 world cup where he makes amazing saves against one of the best teams in the world. And you know, the, the U S is, you know, lucky to lose by one uh, or lucky to lose by only one goal because of him. I I mean, he was the player of the match, right. And and no one would deny that. And I think this is the, a a very similar situation. Wesson, did you have, do you have an opinion about that? Yeah. I mean, it's not much of a debate. I'm in the same camp as you guys.
2: Uh, We, you know, for, baseball they've kind of done away with the win step being this b end all thing for the cy young award because we realized oh that's stupid um, you know <laughs> there's a lot of things you can't control no matter how well you play and you know uh fitzgerald just the, i mean uh yara had that one amazing save but he didn't have to work that hard otherwise uh fitzgerald had to work very hard all game uh he deserves it and and the one goal i i don't really put on him. I put on, not I not
0: even his fault. got caught in no man's land because the defender couldn't give it back to him. So. so it's like, you
2: know, what do you, what do you think? It's just, I just, it's just lazy analysis and lazy work to, to do it that way. And I knew it would happen because it happened to my guy, Michael Kirk, earlier in the year when he, when we played Greenville. So I, I knew that uh, Fitz wouldn't win it, but I, and I knew it would be dumb.
1: Okay. So we have one fan question that I see right now uh, from the Canadian soccer dude. Um, who'd benefit the most from having a retirement age, Alan Gordon player, uh, Weston, do you have an opinion who, which team would, uh, would benefit most from like a, um, you know, Gordon, Alan Gordon esque player.
2: Um, first off props to the Canadian soccer dude. I, lo- I love the work he puts in for TFC 2 follow that guy. Uh, he, uh, it's, yeah, he's the, he's the lone guy doing it. So <laughs> got to give him some props. Uh, I, probably richmond for me I'd, i just think uh you know sometimes when they struggle offensively they could use something like that for daniel jackson uh daniel jackson scored an incredible goal against lansing but uh every other game i've seen him in, he's kind of been non-existent to me and i think they could use a shake up like something like that to kind of shake things up and uh, get an attack late
0: jason
1: you have anyone
0: greenville that's just he's him, Stephen Lenhart. They're players that are literally built for Greenville to have a player come off or come on. I mean, in the you know 60th minute, 70th minute, and just sit there and receive those crosses, right? Just know where to be, know how to wrap around the defender, fake going over one side of his shoulder and go to the other. I think that when you have a player in that system that knows how to finish crosses, then Greenville is easily a top two team this league. Like I'm, that's not an exaggeration for me. I think that their defense is so organized. And I think that the way that they're pressing and winning balls in the middle, if they go up two, you know, if they, if they're up one, nothing, and then they have a striker come in and puts them up two nothing in the 70th minute, 80th minute, then yeah, it's going to be too hard for teams to catch up and compete with that.
1: Okay. And any other Thoughts that either of you
0: might have? Any hashtag spicy takes, Jason? No spicy takes. I love the uh, four o'clock Friday game for Toronto FC two and Tucson. I don't know if uh, I'm gonna try to get out of work early to see that. I don't. I don't know why they have a four o'clock game. I don't know if there's like uh, second going on. on the 29th. Uh, yeah. Two, it's, so is it it's a for thing. Toronto. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do they have like, do they do like the one? I wonder if it's before it's like a maybe a double header with TFC. I don't know if TFC, the, the MLS yeah. team has a, a game afterward, maybe. Yeah, I'm And Lansing's sure. that- well, game is also at four o'clock, it's, and so that's
2: weird. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know
0: if oh, do, they do like the. Uh, oh, man, this is play wild. Is. <laughs> Toronto has an 11 a.m. game, Wednesday, June 12th against so, North Texas. So, wow. So, and, and just to answer your question, Toronto doesn't play Friday. So let's talk about this real quick. What does that look like for the league? Because obviously, this isn't a good look when it comes for attendance. People aren't going to be able to go to a four o'clock game on a Friday. And and unless it, and I can understand if maybe they're trying to get more of like students to come. This is an after school kind of a thing, if it was near schools. But like, I don't. What do y'all think about that? Because that doesn't—that's not a good look for the league, and looks this like they just two, trying to develop this, players.
1: Well, they are, right? I think I think for some of the two teams, that's the case. I think you know North Texas and and Tucson maybe are, you know, trying to do something a little bit different. But I think for TFC two and OCB, as as we know, they're they are player development platforms first and foremost, and everything else doesn't matter. Um, at least that's what it seems like. And and I think the fact you have a 4 p.m. game that they're playing in just just shows that. Um, they do have weird things, though, up in Canada sometimes, because I know um, Ottawa just played a match like at 10.30 in the morning because it was some kind of camp day, and that was on a Wednesday. Um, so I think they played, I want to say they either played played uh, maybe Bethlehem Steel or RB uh, or, or Red Bull 2. I, I don't remember. So, I so maybe maybe this is something about that. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah so, I love for the league to crack down on this though because yeah. you know Toronto, whatever. Like
2: obviously Toronto doesn't care about attendance for these games. But if you're USL League One, you know, I'm a fan that wants to watch the game on TV at least and I'll be in work like, you know, uh, there's a Friday game against Madison at four o'clock like the Madison guys either got to figure out something with work or they're going to miss most of that game or at least the first half live. And that's that's
1: dumb. That's just dumb for whatever their stuff is. They don't care about attendance. That's fine. Go. Way fans. Or, or just shut off social media and then when you get home at seven, you know, watch it on ESPN. You
0: shouldn't have to do that. It's like, that's you know, take your, take no, your Tim Hortons break later. I don't need for you to make your Canadian excuses, <laughs> play the damn game at night like everybody else does. Fair enough. Okay, Jason,
1: where can people find you?
0: Home sweet soccer, I'm back.
1: And Weston, uh, you can follow me on my own, but podcast.
2: Cap combustion. Also, I don't think I'm going to be on next week, uh, so I do just want to point out for any Madison fans listening, yeah, you guys are kicking me off next week. I'm very offended. Uh, So, June 1st, I will be at Madison. We'll we'll
1: have you back in June.
2: Uh, June 1st, Saturday, I will be at Madison for the Lansing game. Um, I'm going to Nomad World Pub for the uh, Champions League final first, and then I'll be hanging out in town and going to the game. So, If you see a 6'3 blonde dude with A lancing gear on. Feel free to
0: come fight him. That's what he's saying. He said, "Come at him." I
2: said, said "Your team is not good, so (laughs) fight me."
0: Let's go.
1: (laughs) All right, and I'm Ira Jersey. I can be found at Ira Jersey on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for all of the great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and more. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And also thanks to Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of U.S. soccer, Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, both one and championship league one and league two. And get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And with that, uh, we will be signing off.